Welcome to On DoD on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jared Serbu. Glad you're with us. Thanks for tuning in. And for our listeners who are technology governance enthusiasts, we've got a good one this time. We're going to talk about how IT gets managed within the five physical walls of the Pentagon. It's sort of a fraught issue because it, that, that building is maybe the only corporate headquarters on Earth where there is no single person in charge of the details of things like network connectivity, endpoint management, how much is being spent or how much needs to be spent to make sure senior leaders and all the people they rely on have a good user experience. And part of the reason for that, of course, is, is that the military services all own a part of the IT picture and other parts are controlled by the Defense Information Systems Agency's joint service provider. But one, one of the biggest reasons up until now has been that the pieces of DOD that we sometimes call the fourth estate, in this case, the major, the 17 major sub-offices within the Office of the Secretary of Defense, have been very fractured, no, no real central governance from an IT perspective. DOD started to solve that problem last year by putting a single official in charge of IT matters for all of OSD. That senior leader is Danielle Metz. She was on the program with us last fall, just after she had been named as the new OSD CIO. Since then, she and her new office have drafted an implementation plan that tries to map out exactly what needs to change in the coming years. And I think one of the main takeaways is it's trying to put the 19,000 folks who actually work in those offices in a better position to tell the department what they need from technology to do their jobs. But Ms. Metz is back with us now to talk through the plan in a lot more detail. Ms. Metz, thanks for taking the time for us. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I don't want this conversation to be too backward looking, but I think it would be helpful to orient people a bit to everything else we're going to talk about today. If you could talk us through a little bit the as-is state of OSDIT, such as it is, and, and maybe just a little introduction to the customer base that you're trying to serve here, because it's unique and, and pretty diverse. Yes. Um, well, thank you, Jared, for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. I, a lot has transpired since we were together, um, I think it was October of uh, 2022. So just to, to take a step back, as you said, and set some context, um, last April, uh, the DSD asked us to do a, uh, a study, an assessment of the OSD IT posture. And we did that for about 90 days. Um, we The methodology that we used was listening sessions with each of what are called the principal staff assistants. These are the political appointees that comprise of the Office of Secretary of Defense. There's 17 PSAs. So we met individually with them, and the intent of those listening sessions was really to set up a rapport to understand their frustrations and how they use technology to execute their mission. And the overwhelming response, the exact response that we received was that they do not use technology to execute their mission. So that that really kind of puts a technologist on edge where you spend time deploying enterprise capabilities but there's a problem, right? From a user perspective, there is a problem. The second piece of the listening sessions that we did was that we reached out to what I lovingly call historical figures. And so these were previous uh, DOD senior leaders over the past 20 years that had uh, impact or an effect on the technology space here in the department. And I got a chance to ask them, what would you do differently today? And I was able to fold in their perspectives and include that as part of our, our, our recommendations moving forward. The next piece that we did was that we scoured documents, right? So we had to be able to do an audit trial of sorts 
to get to how we got here from the decision-making of doing the consolidation efforts of IT for what was being driven for cost efficiencies and using technology as lesser than, right? So you can just have okay technology. We would uh, identify cost efficiencies and apply those cost efficiencies to other more important mission. So that was kind of the mentality going back to 2010, 2012, 2013, um, which set the stage for, you know, 2015 with the massive consolidation of IT here in the Pentagon. Uh, and the third piece that we wanted to be able to do was to be able to benchmark industry best standards to the baselines that we had here in the Pentagon. And so to understand what we had and how far off the mark we were from what was happening in industry. And that whole body of work um, was what we presented to the DSD um, in July of 2022. And I identified a number of uh, findings and associated recommendations. And the most important recommendation that we had was that we needed to establish an office, an entity that would be the senior advocate for OSD, a CIO, someone that would be able to create the strategic vision and be able to bring OSD together as a unified component to create an OSD IT enterprise, advocate for the resources to implement this strategic vision and to start driving modernization activities that were on par with what you see in the military departments with their respective enterprises, as well as what the defense agencies field activities. Each one of those components had a CIO. OSD did not have a CIO. And so from that, you were able to professionalize what you would expect a CIO brings to bear, the strategy, the governance forms, the abilities to collect and synthesize recommendations, the advocacy for um, building budgets to be able to go after those resources, and then partnering with the service provider to execute and implement the strategies that we had. And so that, in a nutshell, is what the study did. And that is also the work that we began when we became official on October 1st. I want to spend just a couple more beats on the, on the how we got here question. When you spoke with those historical figures, as, as you put it, what, what were some of the common themes that you heard? What did they tell you on the question of what they would do differently today? I think the most interesting piece was each one of them recognized the importance of technology, but because it came from the top down in terms of the fact that at the time, IT was really kind of um, described as emails, desktop computers, routers and switches, it didn't really resonate or um, we just didn't have the right ability to communicate the effectiveness of what technology is and how it really is ubiquitous in terms of how you execute mission. And because of how it was treated and how the CIO's position was tr treated more as like a help desk as opposed to this leader in the C-suite that had a strategic vision to really ensure that we had um, the mission um, successes based on the technology that we were bringing to bear. To me, they they wanted to ensure that we had a better way, a more effective way of communicating the importance of technology and how we treated the service provider, resourced the service provider, and ensured that we had a, a CIO within OSD that was driving that. So I think they saw that as a misstep when this uh, the OSD CIO, because we used to have an OSD CIO, but when we did the consolidation effort, it went away. 
And I think they recognized that that was the start of a huge problem because the service provider wasn't resourced uh, either with uh, the right folks or with the money to do the policy and also execute the policy. You needed to have somebody that was able to come up with the policies, and then you have an, an implementer that was executing said policies. And the way that we did the paradigm with the IT consolidation was the service provider was kind of doing everything. And because they were, they weren't doing it well. Not to their discredit or credit, it was just the circumstances that we set them up with. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's that's probably a good branch to start talking about how you're going to handle implementation here. I mean, you, you mentioned the previous CIO had been treated like a help desk. Contrast that with with how you see this reincarnation of the CIO. How do you want to do things differently? And how are you going to get the components in the PSAs to look at you differently? Right. I think the first step is, is that we have within the Deputy Secretary of Defense, Secretary Hicks, she is an absolute advocate in terms of the importance and relevancy of technology. And in fact, the memo that established our office said as such, if we are going to have a digital modernization experience where we're on par with where the military departments are, to be able to execute at the highest level, we need to ensure that we have a CIO that brings to bear those capabilities, that strategic vision, and the delivery of an OSDIT enterprise. So it's really important having, you know, your your CEO and CAO on your side saying you're the person who's going to do this. So that's thing one. So that's already I'm winning, right? The second piece is that there is a value proposition that you have to prove the value that you're bringing on how you're going to do things differently because for 15 plus years each of these PSAs had to figure it out for themselves because they had no one else to, to count on. Some were very successful, others were not. What we're offering is a democratization of the accessibility of technology, right? The ability to be treated as an enterprise so that we can come up together with cloud adoption activities, similar to what we did um, when I was the deputy CIO for um, Information Enterprise for, for the DAFAs and for the military departments. No one was doing that for OSD. Uh, no one was looking at the network here in the Pentagon as it is regarded for um, OSD and coming up with plans and activities to be able to modernize the network. No one was really thinking about the lifecycle replacement management strategy to get from a six to 10 year, which is kind of what we're on, to a three year tempo of having your end user devices updated on a frequent and consistent three year cycle. All of this culminates with the fact that we are now centering the user in the heart of the strategy that we're putting forward and really um, listening to what the user experience is. And they're the ones, based on the surveys that we started for OSD back in February, and we do these monthly, um, that they're able, through that input, help us guide where we need to prioritize our strategic activities to go after the resources for implementation and to have that continuous feedback loop from the user experience. So if we're off, we can adjust. If we're doing it right, we keep doing that. None of that was taking place within OSD. And what I'm saying isn't that revelationary because these are things that we're happening uh, in the military departments and the DAFAs. We're just bringing all of that here to OSD. 
I want to pick up on a word you used a couple minutes ago, which was democratization. Uh, DOD governance structures are usually not famously democratic. Um, so, and that's the reason to me, one of the most interesting parts about your implementation strategy is um, you say you want it to be customer led instead of service provider led. Talk me yes. through what exactly that means. And are there models elsewhere that you've seen that kind of show you how that can be done? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, established the Pentagon Area Customer Council. Uh, we have it um, tri-chaired by the three onboarded customers that receive all their services from um, from DISA. And that's the joint staff, OSD and the department headquarters um, of the Army. And so whereas before we had this uh, council established, each one of the customers would go point to point to the service provider. And so therefore it was overwhelming the service provider. So you had a thousand points of light. Everyone was saying, my thing's really important. You need to do this. There was no ability to even try to understand if there was commonality in terms of our needs and issues and where we could pull together and create strategies and plans and metrics to track and create what I view um, a governance forum to do is to ensure that you have user feedback, accountability, and transparency. And so that's what I mean by saying that we're flipping the script from it being service provider led to being customer led. And it's a, truly a partnership with your customer base and the service provider. So we have our service provider at the table and it is now an open forum of conversation and all the work that takes place behind the scenes are the various organizations, action officers that pull together, understand where their pain points are, we synthesize where the information is to see where there's commonality and then drive the agendas to be able to ensure that we're all on the same page. And yes, sometimes governance structure sounds very boring and archaic and like, ugh. but when done right and when motivated with the right leadership, it can actually drive activities in the right manner because everyone's waiting of what's going on. There's active lessons learned that can take place because like I said, Joy Staff and the Army have been enterprises well longer than OSD. And the things that we're trying to do, because we have a, a essentially a greenfield, we're able to test things out that have never been done before. And then if it works, we can share that and it could be replicated with our other mission partners. Um, that can't happen in a vacuum. That only happens in an open forum where you really have the user feedback the accountability and the transparency. And that's what this forum is offering. And it went really well yesterday. It set up a lot, it teed up a lot of the strategic um, activities. So now that we're each doing our own homework to go after, um, to get to that next level. Danielle Metz is the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. Her official title is Director for Information Management and Technology in the Office of the Director of Administration and Management in the Pentagon. We'll be back and talk more about the OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan in just a minute. This is on DOD, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. 
Our guest is Danielle Metz, the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense, and we're discussing the OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan that she has just signed, kind of a roadmap that lays out how OSD is going to bring some more centralized governance to its various organizations in the coming years and eventually a better user experience. Just to go back to the point about how many different you know customer populations you're ultimately serving here, how much have you started to figure out where the commonality is and what makes sense to provide as an enterprise versus what really is mission specific? As it relates internal to OSD, we have defined it to be the common IT. And so a lot of that would go to um, the network. It would go to um, end user devices. Um, it would go to how even we outfit the conference rooms. We have a number of conference rooms. Um, they are not standardized. A lot of them aren't even configured to do Teams. That's a problem because we've had DoD 365 implemented for two years. As we're starting to bring people back, we want to ensure that we have a standardized experience with our collaboration capabilities where it's not just being reduced to a phone call. Um, So things like that, which have what we call um, in-chair user experience, if we're able to change that, then the user recognizes that we actually care about what they're doing um, and the ability to have better things to execute and do their job better. And it also empowers them too, because they're not just talking and no one's listening. They're actually folded into the strategy and we're driving those changes. And the changes that we're trying to make are so that it's more noticeable instead of in the background. And I think that's also been a kind of a um, dynamic change in terms of how we develop strategies. Most of the strategies that we've done, particularly when it comes to modernization activities, are multi-year, a lot of money. It's the right thing to do. But as a user, you don't get to see any credible benefit. So you have to come up with a strategy where you're focused on the user first, and then you bring it all the way back to that foundational um, systemic activity that needs to take place. So we're, we're also kind of recentering how we do our strategies to ensure that we're um, having greater impact, more timely impact on the user. Can you unpack that last bit just a little bit more uh, as far as the point on big, expensive modernization projects that don't ultimately benefit the user? Uh, help me understand how that happens and maybe an example of what that looks like. So I can think of two. When we think about cloud adoption, right? If we think about defense business systems and the modernization of defense business systems, we, instead of thinking about kind of the interfaces that the user has to do with the 10 systems that they may have to log in on, and each login might be something different, may not be CACT enabled, things like that. That's very challenging, right? But a lot of our defense businesses and modernization activities don't really target going after that pain point first. It goes over how we're going to do the rationalization of all these defense business systems as it relates to, let's say, financial management or logistics. And then you come out with these grand plans that require a lot of resourcing, and then you start to work. What I just described could be a three-year activity. All the while, the pain points that I just Uh, stated with the user in terms of the 10 systems, each one requires a different login. Um, You have to remember which system it is that you have to go into login has not been addressed. So it's just a a matter of rethinking how you build out strategies where if you start from the user first and go after those immediate activities and then pull the string to go to the next step from user uh, interface, which is the more computer issues that are midterm activities to the systemic issues. 
And for the computer issues, a lot of those could be processes, right? So there's business processes that might be holding this back, or there might be some other issues or even sometimes folklore. A lot of times people become entrenched because they're like, well, this is how we've always done it. So this is how it is. And it's a matter of being able to have those conversations to say, okay, well, what is the policy? Why do we have this policy? Is it hindering us from being able to really maximize the deployment of technology? If yes, how do we go about changing those? And those do take time, but it's still carrying that thread from the user interface experience to that next step. And then the last step is the systemic changes that need to take place. Um, those are your foundational activities. A second example that I would use is really network modernization. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done because we have a lot of different networks. They're at different different complexities, right? Sometimes they're layered on, there's a lot of cybersecurity. How do you go about simplifying that and ensuring that we have a more stable, consistent, usable network that is secure? That type of conversation, worthwhile. It was noted in the most more recent February Defense Business Board. How do you go about doing that? Well, that strategy also needs to, to start from the beginning, which is your user experience. And your user doesn't really need to understand that the network's why the network's complicated. They don't care. They want to be able to do their job. The technologist, the CIO needs to figure out what that strategy is from the user experience all the way to the system. And it's a different way of thinking about it. And that's those are the types of um, experiences and strategic vision that we're bringing to bear within OSD. That's what my office is doing. To, to make this a little more complicated, I think there's there's a lot of parts of, of the Pentagon and maybe even the Mark Center that, that are not within your purview. They're within the Department of the Army, Department of the Navy, Department of the Air Force. How much are you collaborating with them as, as they also make similar pushes to improve user experience? I mean, I, I know the Navy, like literally this week, is doing a big push to try and improve things for its users inside the Pentagon. What, how much cross-pollination is there with the services? I mean, that is huge. So now that we have um, the OSC CIO, we're able to participate in the um, the military department CIO meetings that the DOD CIO hosts. So here's an opportunity because we're on par with the MILDEP CIOs that I get to meet with Jane Rathman, who's the acting Don CIO. She shared with me what her and her team are doing. The work that they do, the outcome of that, we're going to apply into our enterprise. And likewise, the, the, the new strategic way of how we're coming up with our plans, I shared with each of um, the, uh, the MILDEP CIOs and wanting to get their lessons learned. Because the thing that I don't want to do is repeat the same failures. I want to fail all on my own new ways, right? But for the things that have already been practiced and learned and taught, I want to be able to incorporate all that into our plans and our strategies. So there's a lot of cross-pollination. I think there's a professionalization of the CIOs because we're part of the C-suite, right? And we each have our own experiences and we want to see improvements. And I think all of us are like-minded in the terms of how we are now focusing really on the user experience and trying to execute some of the recommendations that the Defense Business Board recently published um, this past February on the um, IT user experience on the unclassified network. So there was um, recommendations across the board for the department to act more as an enterprise. And so each one of us are working through how we're doing that for our respective enterprises and then bringing that forward to DOD CIO so that they can create that parameters and the structure that would represent the DOD enterprise. 
Um, perfect jumping off point for where I, wanted, where I wanted to go next, which is, you know, returning to the theme of figuring out what the OSDIT enterprise is so that you can manage it like an enterprise. Have you gotten to the point yet where you feel like you have your arms around what the total IT spend across all of these organizations is? And, and, and the, no. the main... <laughs> okay, fine. But the main, the, the main reason um, I bring that up is I'm, I'm curious, you know, is this mostly about adding resources or is it about better utilizing the resources that all these scattered organizations already have and are using to buy gray IT? Right. So I, I actually think it's both. The, the first step we need to do because of the consolidation activities that took place over 15 years, it buried within the PSAs, you know, their IT um, spend, right? So there's not necessarily a call out if you look at their budget for IT spend. So those are things that we're going to have to shore up. And we've had practices with that um, when we did the um, network modernization IT reform activity with the DAFA. So I, I think we have a playbook on how, how to get to that. And it's having those conversations and understanding from the PSA's perspectives, how they treat their technology, how they prioritize and pay for uh, the things that they need to have and the, the relationship that they have with the service provider. Um, so I, I definitely think that's thing one. Thing two is um, being able to, to your point, define what we mean by the OSD IT enterprise. And we're starting from common IT first. And so we are in the process of working with the PSAs as well as DISA, who's the service provider, in creating a memorandum of agreement. So that might sound on its head like, ugh, bureaucracy. But it's not, because if you think about it, we need to have detailed out what the services are that are being provided, the associated costs of what those services are, and the roles or responsibilities for what the service provider is doing and what the customer is doing. Right now, we don't have that. So that already sets the stage for mismanagement of expectations, right? So everyone thinks they're doing what needs to be done, but if no one agrees on what it is and it hasn't been written down, everyone can be, um, well, you're not doing what you need to do, or "I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You get into that kind of scenario. So setting the groundwork, there's a lot of foundational things that are missing. Being able to codify what the uh, memorandum of agreement is as it relates to OSD and just as a service provider is a big step forward. And then I think the last thing I'll say is as it relates to TechDAP, because that has been a big push by um, this administration, particularly by uh, Secretary Hicks, in terms of wanting to be able to quote unquote buy it down, from an OSD uh, perspective, we define what we mean by tech debt. We've come up with corollary performance metrics to be able to go after that. And then based on all this, this is how we're going to get to our strategic plan uh, to be able to go after additional resources to be able to buy that tech debt down, but also be able to create this modern, stable environment to which we currently do not have right now. And then once we get our hands set on that, then I think we'll be able to build off of that to go after what's more the mission IT, right? So you can really focus on those defense business systems, the idea of having a cloud um, a cloud strategy as it relates to OSD, because right now we don't have that. We don't have a corporate playbook. We're well behind the starting line. And those are activities that I am partnered with, you know, the Army for their um, enterprise cloud management activity office with 
the Department of Navy, with Air Force for what they did um, with Cloud One. Those are all lessons learned that we're able to fuse together and work to come up with our pathfinders to create our OSD corporate playbook. All this builds upon itself, but right now my focus is getting the foundation set, and that goes with the, the governance structure, the ability to build a community, an identity of OSD, right? So we're not, because it's a, it's a cultural shift. You're no longer 17 individual special entities. You now are OSD and treated as such, right? And then based on all that, then we can come up with what we define as common IT, the collective defines as common IT, the services that are going to be provided, the costs associated with those services. And then once we have a handle of that, then we have building blocks to get after the more exquisite, difficult activities that is Mission IT. We're talking with Danielle Metz, the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. We'll come back and talk more after another quick break. This is On DOD, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Servan. Thanks for listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is On DoD. I'm Jared Serbu. As we continue our conversation with Danielle Metz, the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense, we are talking about the OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan just out a couple months ago. I imagine at some point you, you think you're going to be able to present a single OSD IT budget to Congress and articulate what the requirements really are. If that's right, how far off do you think you are from that point? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I don't think this cycle I'll be able to do it. I think that it would probably be two cycles. Um, and that's being ambitious, but I think we have a good, I think we're on a good trajectory to get to that because we have the right, um, we're putting the right levers in place with the performance metrics, the building, the relationships with the PSAs to understand their space working with both CAPE and Comptroller to be able to understand how they account for it as it relates to OSD. And then again, harping back on that governance structure, because it's so important, making sure that everyone's witting of what is going on so they can see themselves in whatever that submission would be. But we're not there yet. I think we understand the problem set. Now we're going about implementing some of the solutions to get to, um, to that place. What what are the workforce implications for everything you're doing? I, I don't know how big your own office is eventually going to become, but but what will what will be done there? I mean, you, you said you don't want to just be a help desk, but will you do things like running a help desk for the entire enterprise? No, we will not be um, the help desk. But what we did do, and we're um, uh, kind of the the leading advocates for, was uh, we were able to ensure that we got funds for FY24 for the service desk modernization that's taking place at the Pentagon, the global service desk. Um, so originally that was uh, a planned activity to take place sometime in FY25. I pulled it to the left so that it would happen in FY24. So that was the advocacy that we were able to do. And that does, does not just benefit OSD. This benefits all the tenants here at the Pentagon. So it was a partnership that I had with the Army and Joint Staff and others to be able um, to push this forward. So that's what we want to be able to bring to bear, that you don't want me to fix your computer. That's not my skill set, right? My skill set is kind of looking, assessing the posture of where things are, building the strategies to make it better and building those cross-functional teams. So our team is small, exceptionally mighty and bright and passionate, 
And I recognize I take on a lot because there's so much we know we can do, but I know I have limited resources. There are other um, partnerships that I can have either within the military departments that they can help or even internal within the PSAs, partnering with the CDAO, partnering with DOD CIO and the like, getting their um, best and brightest to be able to help um, push things forward for, for OSD. Because it's quite frankly, this is their enterprise. So they have value to be able to, to work and to partner uh, to do this. So I don't feel like I organically need to have a lesion of folks to do this, but I do need to have the right folks within the organization, within OSD, partnered and moving in the right direction as the, as the strategy is um, enumerated and then um, funded to bring to life. How soon do you think you'll know whether all the things you're doing and, and want to do are actually helping? How do you measure success as you move through this process? So I think the first piece of success that I was able to measure was that we were um, successful in getting the dollars to do the service desk modernization. So based on a number of the, the surveys that we have done, user surveys, the listening sessions, that was a big pressure point, pain point was the current service desk. Um, and we actively listened and we were able to bring that to light. So that already, going back to my value proposition, that showed the value of what an OSD CIO can do. So to me, that that is kind of an immediate success. And that's something that we can build on. The next one's going to be a little bit more enduring. Um, so the one that we have is we're doing user surveys within OSD. They're monthly. The goal is to do it um, for 12 months. That get, covers our entire population minus the contractors. We're only focused on the civilians and military. This will be the first time that we will have a baseline of our um, from our users on the state of play, on how they feel technology, how technology is used or not used. And those questions and the responses that we have will allow for us to do trending analysis. It also helps us get better questions for the next time we do the user surveys. Because right now we didn't know what we needed to ask. We didn't know what the responses were going to be. Now we're able to see, oh, we should have asked it this way. Or what if we did it this? But we're not changing it because I need to have the baseline. I want a year's worth of baseline so I can have, this is the totality of the OSD population and how they, what they are experiencing from a technology perspective. Um, we're modeling what the Air Force did They've been doing it for three years. And so they were able to do, we're following their same path. They did it for first year. They realized early on, no, oh, we didn't quite ask the right questions, but we're going to stick to it because we got to get that baseline. Now they're asking more sophisticated questions, getting better responses back, which actually help drive um, the, the strategic plans and what needs to be prioritized and resourced. Because we are doing some modernization activities with the service desk, um, with the life cycle management, we'll be able to start seeing that end of FY24, beginning of FY25, right? Because I'll have my baseline for um, the user experience. We'll start rolling in modernization activities like the improvements to the service desk, the life cycle management, going after maybe even the network as well. And so it can start building upon itself. So I think that's, that's more long-term. But the biggest step is, I think, at the end of FY24, we should start really seeing, hopefully, some successes. And you know what? If we don't, that's okay, too, because now I actually have feedback to help me adjust what my strategy needs to be and reprioritize where the dollars need to go. Because at the end of the day, it's the user. If they aren't able to do their job, 
then I'm not doing my job. I, I'm not totally familiar with that Air Force model that you mentioned that you're borrowing. What, what's the most important part of that? Is it just the continual taking the pulse of the user and figuring out where things are? That's the first step. Then they also correlate that with their network monitoring that they have going on so that they're able to see where the pressure points are within the network and compare that with what the user experience is. So the user experience piece is just another data point and and being able to be synthesized with all these other performance measurement activities that they have. Whereas before, we would just traditionally only do network performance monitoring and say, yeah, we, we understand what the user is feeling without asking the user. So this adds an additional layer of not only sophistication, but really going back to the fact that we do all this for the user because we're not doing it for technology. We're doing it because we need the user to be highly productive in executing their mission. Danielle Metz is the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. We'll come back and talk a bit more about the OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan after one more break. This is on DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbin. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. A few more minutes left with Danielle Metz, the Office of the Secretary of Defense Chief Information Officer. We're talking about the new OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan. I want to go back to one of the points you made earlier about uh, on the how we got here front. This is probably impossible because you can't control what your successors do. But it, it, is there anything that you can do to make OSD IT more resistant to being a victim of taking a haircut the next time there's a budget drill and people go looking for cost savings? I think that there can be. And the way you go about doing that is really is that value proposition. So if we're saying that technology is the critical enabler to whatever the mission is at the Department of Defense, we need to be able to showcase that. And if we're if we're showing the success of through those user experience surveys, through the modernization activities that we've done, how the output of all that is driving to more effective decision-making at the highest level within OSD, um, then it makes it so that it, it really is inculcated into the actual mission of what the department is, so that it's not separated as a lesser than or a back office function. It just is. Yeah, and that gets to goal three of your implementation plan a little bit, maximizing the use of technology. Do you have a good sense for, I don't want to ask you for specific examples, they may not exist, but but what does that mean to you, um, maximizing technology? Where where are there gaps right now where people could be using it to meet mission but, but aren't because it's not there? The one thing I'll say is my example is um, for DOD 365. When we implemented uh, it on the unclassified, the IL-5, we were... Uh, so focused on ensuring that we didn't break operations and we wanted to make sure that we had it fully deployed before we sunsetted the uh, temporary solution that we didn't do what we did when we implemented the temporary solution. We didn't focus on identifying champions within each of the organizations who were either enthusiastic about technology or really wanted to step up for their organization and learn how DOD 365 is so that they could be um, the ones that would be kind of like the evangelists within each of the organizations. We didn't do dynamic training to really maximize 
what is that, the power at your, um, your fingertips on the keyboard? And then the last thing that we didn't do was review our policies and see where our policies were hindering the maximum effectiveness of the technology. And the example I'll use is the conference rooms, or if you're teleworking recently, I had a laptop where my uh, microphone was not enabled. So if I was working from home and I was going to do a Teams engagement, it was telephone, right? So I had a different user experience working at home than I did uh, working in the office. We have a number of um, offices that are SCIF that, you know, it's a security violation if you have your cameras enabled. Well, there's policy waivers for that now because we recognize the importance of ensuring that we're fully leveraging what Teams brings to bear, which is video, the ability to chat, the ability to talk, to kind of recreate a physical presence, even though we're virtual. There was policies that were holding us back. So we are currently launching within OSD, a DOD 365 campaign plan. And so we are going after all of the remaining capabilities that are a part of DOD 365 that we haven't fully implemented, like OneDrive, like being able to enable our microphones and have uh, cameras um, so that we can have that team experience regardless of, of where you are, if you're in the home or if you're physically at work. So those are the activities that we're, we're trying to do. And that's that's a harder piece, right? Understanding what your policies are, what's preventing you from being able to really push forward and maximize the technology and then figuring out the training activity so that the users really understand what has been deployed. Because before we would just kind of deploy it and be like, they'll figure it out. Well, they're not going to use it then. So that's changing that mindset. Maybe, maybe we can finish up on, on the on the policy front just a little bit. I, I'm curious where your challenges are. Are these department level policies or is there a good deal of it within that's just OSD that DANM could just change? Uh, they're department uh, policies. And so it's, it's really working in partnership with DOD CIO, um, intelligence and security, um, and others who own these policies that we just need to be able to target and say, you know, this is due for a refresh because of where we are and the technology that we're trying to deploy and work it through that. And so that's, that's what we've started on behalf of OSD. And it's really serving as a catalyst because it Yes, it benefits OSD, but it also benefits the entire department as well. But because I have a new enterprise that I'm responsible for, plus I have all of the things that I didn't do so well in my previous job that I'm actively learning from, I'm able to adjust and to get better. And so these are the things that I'm committed to be able to do. So having policy and having dynamic training were two things that we didn't do so well when we deployed DOD 365 and I was very proud of what we did in DOD 365, but we could have done it better. And so that's what we're going to work on. Danielle Metz is the Chief Information Officer for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. We've been talking about the new OSD IT Enterprise Implementation Plan. We'll post a link to it on our website at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DOD. And if you missed any part of this conversation, we will post this week's full show there, as always. You can also tune in via podcast. Just search for On DoD wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening this week. I'm Jared Serbian. So long. You've been listening to On DoD on Federal News Network. Tune in Wednesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 